You're listening to Spaghetti and Freddy, a podcast hosted by Cablasso and Yoli, in which we discuss both Spaghetti Westerns and the Nightmare on Elm Street film series, along with all things Freddy Krueger. This is episode 26, and we're discussing the film The Grand Duel from 1972, directed by Giancarlo Santi. What's up? <laughs> How are you tonight? Good. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like a, a long day, but yeah. But I think it's just uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a long day, a busy day. That's all. Long day, long week, and it's only Tuesday. I yeah, I've been feeling that. I think it's because I mean, not to talk about the weather, but spring just won't get here. I know it's uh, so cold today. Yeah, and we're expected to have a big snowstorm too, like over the yeah. next day day or two. And it's like, come on, just give us a nice little weather. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to be getting a, a big rainstorm over here this weekend. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hitting all over. Yeah. Um, if I didn't have to travel and see people and stuff, I wouldn't mind. I would just stay in and watch movies. But uh, oh, are you traveling this week? Yeah, just yeah, work stuff. Just yeah, no nowhere far, but uh, just all work related stuff. Gotcha. But if I have to leave my couch, I'm pretty much unhappy. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's just the way it works. Uh, that being said, I did fit in a couple. I'm trying to think. I did see a very recent movie. Yeah. Let's see. Did I talk about, I can't remember. Did I talk about Lady Hawk last week? That's not a recent movie. <laughs> <laughs> no you didn't talk about it i think i saw your review come across my feed or, or something that, you shared an image of it or something yeah that one i did log um did you did you so like yeah. it are you you're excited I, about I like it? That yeah yeah so the the it's a weird movie um and and it's marketing like i let friends borrow it and they watched it and enjoyed it but even on the cover it looks like you have uh matthew broderick in a hoodie mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's in medieval times like oh. <laughs> he, he isn't it's just a weird image yeah. i don't like a cloak I, or d- something maybe uh, the medieval i guess hoodie? <laughs> I, I don't i really don't know yeah. i've watched the entire movie and i can't make sense of this poster art it's just odd and uh rucker howard's a major character in it and it he doesn't even appear on the cover hmm. I, I it's i guessing uh let's see Lady Hawk. I'm, I'm trying to see who they were marketing in this film because it's Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick, and Rucker Hauer as the major uh, yeah. actors and actresses. So 1985, this came out. Let me see when Ferris Bueller came out. Ferris Bueller came out a year later. So mm-hmm. I think I would assume Rucker Hauer, you would think they would be trying to market off of him. Maybe he wasn't super popular either. I guess. I really don't. And I. I don't know what Michelle Pfeiffer was doing back then, but regardless, I don't think they knew how to market it. But it's a, um, it's a Richard Donner film. 
he directed it. Yeah. So you, you would have thought you would have heard more about it. It's fantasy. Um, it's kind of fantasy fable, I would say. And uh, yeah, it was good. It's sort of a simple film, but it's a good, it was good. I watched on a DVD from the year that DVD came out. It's like a 1997 DVD. Uh, and you can tell I had a, the picture is like tiny. Yeah. Still, uh, still widescreen, but I had to like change the aspect ratio to watch it. So, right, right. But regardless, yeah, it was entertaining. Um, I think I said in my review that it's the type of movie that I, I, I think I would have been confused and bored of, of it when I was a kid. But wa watching it now, I enjoyed it. But it seemed like the type of movie that. I have nostalgia for, even though I just saw it for the first time. Hmm. That's that type of thing. So, cool. Um, yeah, I, I can kind of understand how I got lost a little, and because I feel like it doesn't know who its audience. Is. I think the movie has an audience. I think marketers didn't know who the audience was, and even now, I'd probably say it's aimed at people our age. It's not really aimed at kids or anything, even though they have Matthew Broderick and he's young in it. So. But yeah, then I watched Tar because I, the movie pissed me off to the point where it's like I, I was seeing it everywhere, hearing about it everywhere. No one I knew was talking about it, and then the library had it. And mm -hmm. so I, I said to Megan, I know this is a good movie. I have no desire to see it. I will, ne <laughs> I will never see it on my own. So I said, I'm just getting it here from the library because it gives us a limited window to watch it. And I'm like, we just need to watch it just so I can form an opinion on it um, because I'm so sick of all the publicity saying like, you know, Tar is the best movie of the year. Mm. And, and it stars Kate Blanchett, right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Kate and it's Blanchett. like, it's kind of long, I think. Yeah. 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 And no worse than anything else. I, ha I haven't seen it, but I, I've heard yeah. some buzz about it. Kate Blanchett is mystifying. Kate Blanchett should win actress of the year. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. It's things I mean, like that. Oh, she, she was she's great. A great actress. She, I have again, I haven't I haven't seen this movie, but Yeah. She's a great actress and she was great in it. The movie was really good. Um, I didn't personally enjoy it. I, I really liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um it's how it always is. The movies that I end up really liking a lot are the movies that I kicking and screaming have to make myself watch yeah i think i think i just want to watch really comfort crap all right. the time yeah oh which oh speaking of which <laughs> it's a per it's a perfect plug um i did want to plug uh another podcast if you don't mind no, of course not. um i i have to make sure you don't mind because you do the editing because i could just <laughs> be wasting, wasting my breath uh so so i am excited it's another podcast called podzilla and it's uh jay sure yeah jay sure and micah and i didn't know they were brothers until just today but um which i must not pay attention but they did a psych out the other day saying that they were ending the podcast <laughs> they did it much better than i'm setting it up but regardless what they're really doing is moving into the heisei era of godzilla and it's from Godzilla fans, uh, which I know enough that are diehard. Um, you know, like I said, I've grown up with, I grew up with it and it was always a casual thing, mm -hmm. but these are people who like diehard Godzilla fans. And I never realized the movies that they were always talking about were from this era. Oh, okay. Instead of the, 
So instead of the Showa era, it's a Heisei era. And uh, yeah, so I, they're starting the journey this Sunday, I think, which when this is out, might have been last week. But uh, so yeah, I'm going to follow along. All you need to have seen is the original Godzilla, and then these kind of just pretend nothing happened in between. And then, uh, yeah, and it's only like five or six. I know I'm wrong, but a small amount that they did. Okay. Uh, so, so it's not a big dedication to watch them all. And uh, yeah, I've always wanted to see these ones, so now I have a reason. So Right on. Yeah. Podzilla, check them out. They're on all yeah. the podcast platforms. And apparently on Discord as well, because I got invited to the discord oh, and there's an there's an uproar and then i had to tell them tell everyone i was invited uh. <laughs> but, uh, oh but i and this is not one thing has nothing to do with the other but i was <laughs> i was talking to um he has one screen name versus his real name and everything else so but jay was the one who contacted me and he was saying nice things about our podcast nice. which you know you could leave and cut out whatever but uh yeah and i was gonna do a call out to them anyway and then he's like you don't have to do that I'm like oh, no i was gonna do it before you even contacted me it was because i was excited to go down the movie yeah, journey with yeah. them we, we know you like your uh let me see like, if i can say this right your yeah kaju 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 <laughs> no no kaju sure kaju <laughs> why can't no. i say it Koji, Koji barbecue. You pr you probably said it, <laughs> and I'm just being an asshole just and just saying no. Me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I I say it kaiju. Kaiju. Okay. Yeah, but in that same sense, what was it? Yeah, like Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman. Mm -hmm. It's not Shin; it's Sheen. Right. So yeah, what, I think I heard someone say that the other day, and I was like, "Is it Sheen?" And you're like, "No, no, it's Shin." And I was like, "All right, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> different people are saying different things. It was it was Chuck. Was it said, Chuck? Yeah. Who, who said oh, that yeah, he yeah. was pronounced Sheen, which mm -hmm. makes no sense with the way the Japanese language is supposed to work. I have no damn idea. Guess what? Who cares? We're just we're just stupid <laughs> Americans. It's you know. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't really matter exactly. how how we say it. People are gonna just shake their head at us and be like, exactly. ah, stupid Americans. I mean, which we are. Yeah, but to be fair, I heard people speak American. And they say and they say words slightly wrong too. So and I'm not yeah, correcting yeah. them. So you know, right? It, it all balances out in the end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But so yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm messing up both names of the hosts, and they're from New Zealand. <laughs> so stupid well, American. Uh, we'll drop a link to the Podzilla podcast yeah. in, in our yeah. show notes, so you can check for it there. So, but yeah, I'm excited about that. Right on. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, Tara is good. What's up with you? <laughs> Looping back around. Uh, um, let's see. I put a little pause on my Palance Palooza for now. Oh my god! Quite the alliteration there. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And I've been having myself a little Wongathon instead. Uh, that's what the not, hell? <laughs> that sounds much, much dirtier <laughs> than uh, it's supposed to. No, I just mean I've been watching some films with Anthony Wong in them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, if you say so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Vinegar Syndrome put out a three-film box set of films made in Hong Kong. Um, okay. So, and they had a sale. So I picked that up in the most recent sale because it wasn't a planned thing, but I just kind of found myself kind of randomly. I've been watching some Hong Kong films between like some Wuxia films. 
and then I don't know, just like some other random stuff that looked interesting. Um, so I picked up this box set, and like I said, they're all movies that were uh, made in Hong Kong. Is that the is that the one made in Hong Kong Volume One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I looked it up. Yeah, and so it has like three different films in it, but each of the films, um, Anthony Wong appears in the in these films in this box set. Which isn't why I bought it, but it was just kind of a coincidence. The first thing I ever saw him in was uh, Ebola Syndrome, in which okay. he plays a very just vile, disgusting character, but also gave a really great performance. And then I saw, happened to see him. He was in those Infernal Affair movies, like that trilogy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, playing a very different type of role. So he's very um, just like versatile and very prolific. He's been in like a ton of stuff. So like I said, he's in the that box set in those movies. And I've only seen one out of uh, the box set so far. I watched the film film called The Deadly Camp, which was a uh, kind of a brutal slasher set on a secluded island. I think the descri- the description I read about it initially said that um, it's kind of like a Hong okay. Kong Friday the 13th. Were you trying to say something? Your audio sounded kind of like weird. No? Uh, yeah. I was thinking something, so my audio was picking up oh, my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So I watched The Deadly Camp. Um, it was fun. I had a good time. And then I watched, uh, not related to the box set, but um, just something that I found on Canopy, a movie called Exiled, directed by Johnny Two. So, so was the Deadly Camp like Friday the Thirteenth? Um, it was like, well, not exactly, but it was like it in the fact that these young teenagers um, all go to this island basically to like kind of go camping, mm-hmm. like a vacation or a spring break type getaway. Um, so they're camping on this island, and there's like a killer, basically. So I guess in that sense, it's a little similar or in the sense that like it's a slasher so yeah so so in other words the deadly camp was at least truth in advertising yeah yeah i would have watched the demon's baby i'm surprised (laughs) i think i think i'm gonna watch that one next and i'm gonna save the the erotic one for last oh yeah erotic nightmare yeah (laughs) i I guess i don't have to ask which one is the erotic one but yes continue So. But so yeah, so I've got those in store. But then on Canopy, I was watching a movie called Exiled, uh, directed by someone named Johnny Two. Um, and this film also okay. had Anthony Wong in it. Um, and it's about a friendship uh, between an ex-gangster and then two groups of hitmen. So basically, there's this guy and there's these two groups, and like this one group is sent to take him out, uh, and there's this other group who are trying to like protect him. But then because of sort of the weird set of circumstances, they all end up kind of spending some time together and kind of wind up becoming friends, even the initially the group that was trying to, to take them out. So that's kind of interesting. But I really liked it. Um, I thought it was shot really beautifully and well acted and was kind of a different type of story. So I sought out um, some other films by Johnny Two, the director, and I found another one that was available streaming on Canopy called The Mission from 1999. So I checked that out. And the, unfortunately, the scan on Canopy had a messed up aspect ratio for one thing. And the subs were like a good couple seconds late, which made my viewing kind of rough. But I decided to go ahead and push through because with Canopy, you get, I think, six. You can watch six things a month, which is usually plenty. But it's like once you start something, it's like it uses up your view. So I kind of wanted to like still get my, my viewing out of it. So I pushed through, even though there were like some issues with the scan, um, but it was good. It had some similar themes to Exiled, which came out eight years later after the mission. And but it's, you know, with the friendship of like these professionals that are working together 
Exiled was definitely the superior film, but that might just be a matter of like the director becoming more seasoned at his chops over time type of thing. Uh, but they were both enjoyable watches. Looking forward to watching more from Johnny too. And like I said, um, all these films uh, featured Anthony Wong. Um, it, you know, in the mission and Exiled, it was a bigger role in the in the Hong Kong slasher film. Uh, he had a smaller part, but he's really good. So yeah, Wong a thong in progress. <laughs> if you watch a movie with him, you can't go Wong. You can, exactly, you can't go Wong. Anyway, so yeah, that, that's all I have to say about that for now. <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. Yeah. So I, I I'm looking at Johnny Two's stuff. Okay. And I rec- I recognize a lot of a lot of the titles. Oh, nice. I haven't seen a lot of these, but I recognize a lot of the titles. So, so like you've, you've heard of them before at least um, a little bit of notoriety yeah. out there i've heard of mad detective uh coincidentally i've heard of blind detective I've heard of drug war um let's see but yeah there's other center too yeah it's weird like i said it's not something i really i wasn't like seeking out but just mm-hmm. kind of by chance um i'm like i i apparently really like uh hong kong films like i, I don't know what it is it's I don't know. I think I think we were talking about him the other week when I was talking about uh yeah. um, uh, uh what is it? Oh, Monkey I told or... you about a Chinese ghost story and then you recommended yes. a couple other films that I added to my watch list but I kind of yes. hesitate to open more tabs right now cuz I don't think that's oh my God. anything. You don't even know. <laughs> I have so many tabs open that Yeah, let's Oh, you recommended that Iron Monkey movie? Iron Monkey, thank you. Yeah. I, I drew a complete blank. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Should we should we get into the main event at this point? Yeah, let's do it. The Grand Duel. Philip Vermeer has been convicted for the murder of Ebenezer Saxon, the patriarch of Saxon City. But is he actually guilty? There's a $3,000 reward on Vermeer's head, posted by Saxon's three sons, so he's trailed by bounty hunters. However, one man... An ex-sheriff named Clayton does not seem to believe that Vermeer is guilty. Instead, Clayton assists Vermeer in dodging the bounty hunters. Why is Clayton doing this? Perhaps it's because he knows who really murdered Ebenezer Saxon. I almost said something to you, but I didn't want to like, I was like, no, I'm just going to wait. But I actually, um, I had a little trouble kind of following the plot and what was happening when I watched this on Sunday a little bit. And then afterwards, after I kind of like read up on Wiki a little bit, I was able to kind of piece it together more. But I don't know, I was having a little trouble following it first. How was your experience? Uh, Similar. Really? I mean, I, I, I was writing down character names as you were going through this synopsis just now. (laughs) <laughs> just to <laughs> help me out um <clears throat> i got the general gist of everything mm-hmm. enough that i could speak generally about it but there's a few details that i really didn't feel like i got to the end and i like oh let me rewind that or watch it again i always considered watching it again but i was like you know what i get the general gist of everything i don't yeah i kind of don't care about the exact details it's not like i have to record a review of the movie and tell people about it you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um but but yeah that's that's kind of how i felt apparently this movie is beloved and i thought it was we'll get to what i thought about it at the, at the end okay. um so 
Well, I, I guess I should say this movie's divisive because I've there's it's beloved, but then I guess other people are more or less really questioning why it's beloved and mm. can pick it so apart. Where did you hear or glean that it that it's quite so beloved? Because uh, I just checked out other reviews after I watched it. Oh, okay. Uh, just like on Letterboxd or something, or yeah, 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 I yeah. I, I wanted to. I formed my opinions. I wrote down my notes. Did all my, you know, work that I had to do for it, and then I just wanted to see, you know, is this movie known? Is this popular? It's I guess yeah. it's pretty popular. So, um, there have been uh, sometimes movies that we've done where there's very little written on them or discussed. So sure. I had no idea where no idea where this ranked. Hmm. Uh, but anyway. So I picked up the, well, it was a used copy, actually, that I found okay. uh, on sale for pretty cheap at one point. So I snagged it because I think it was 12 bucks, And I was like, oh, that's really good oh, wow. for, for an Arrow DVD. I mean, again, it was used, yeah. but like it plays yeah. fine. So yeah. uh, I was pretty stoked on that. But so I popped in in the Blu-ray and, you know, the, the menu comes up and, you know, the menu has like background audio that's typically pulled from the film. And immediately I was like. Oh, that's from Kill Bill Volume 1, which yes. I actually really like watched in the last week or so because the 70 oh, millimeter cool. pod was covering it. So I and it's one of my favorite oh, yeah. movies. So I was like, yeah, definitely mm -hmm. watching that again before listening to that episode. Um, but yeah, so I had I mean, I think I would have recognized it anyway, but it was like super fresh. And I was just like, that's from Kill Bill, which obviously Tarantino, um, who, you know, he loves spaghetti westerns. And so he obviously uh repurposed it from this film um, but just one of those things that's like you know kind of funny to see or hear in this case when it kind of pops up and you're just like oh wow <laughs> like, I've yeah. never seen this movie I don't know anything about it but like I totally know this music And it's prominent. Uh, they played a lot. Yeah, it's like the main theme of the movie, basically. Yeah. Um, it's funny, too, because I had to double check if it was from Kill Bill 1 or 2. And it, it is from part 1, but it's yeah. just straight up called The Grand Duel on that soundtrack. So Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like around like when they're doing like Orenishi's kind of backstory of, of being a young girl and her dad gets killed and she's like under the oh, bed okay. and then she gets her revenge on, you know, Boss Tanaka or whatever. So it's like that whole sequence where the, where the music is prominent. Uh, partially, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I've been wanting to rewatch the Kill Bill movies with Megan, but we, I think, are going to try a thing where we go through chronologically and watch Tarantino's movies. Oh, since, nice. That since sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Since the 4K of Reservoir Dogs came out recently, and the 4K of Pulp Fiction, and nice. uh, nothing for Kill Bill yet, but the, the 4K that was not the reason we were doing it anyway. It yeah. was just planned. So yeah, yeah. Um, Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, so that was just kind of fun to just immediately recognize the music and just kind of yeah, put that together. Yeah. And... It seems like that's happened a f more than a few times for us. Right, um, right. And. The composer of this music, the music mm -hmm. for this movie, mm -hmm. was 
I've I've heard it misreported. It was not. Yes, this this is a little confusing bit. Go ahead okay. and tell me what you've heard, and then maybe I can help fill in some of the gaps. Uh, okay. I've heard that it was done by uh, Morricone. One person said that, and that. So yeah, it's it's not Ennio Morricone. Um, it's Ennio Morricone esque, you could say, but he was definitely yeah. not the composer. He was not involved. Well, what else did you read or hear? Oh yeah, simply that some people were reporting that it was Morricone, and straight out with okay. no contesting, and then I'm like, Interesting. And it's not. <laughs> it's no, uh, it's not. Yeah, at all. So it, Sergio Bardotti is the composer that's credited. Um, he's credited mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of the film, but then there's also, it's like he, Sergio Bardotti is the composer, but then the, also there was a credit for, um, and he was credited as Luis Enrique. Um, okay. So not Luis Enrique Bacala, but just Luis Enrique. And he was credited uh, just under uh, the composer saying that he arranged and conducted the music. And I okay. thought it was a little odd because when I was reading up on Wiki, um, yeah. The wiki just said that the composer was um, Luis Bakalov, who who did like the that, Django, the original Django soundtrack, yeah. um, and, and some other spaghetti western soundtracks, I believe. And I was like, wait, what? Because that's not whose name was in in the credits initially. And I was like, kind of confused, so I looked into it a little bit. But and then I actually did a commentary watch, a rewatch with commentary today. And on the rewatch, I noticed in the credits, that's when I saw that it was like this, um, you know, Sergio Bardotti is uh, credited as composer. And then I and then I realized the note about um, Luis Enrique, who arranged and conducted or whatever. But then digging a little deeper, it seems that um, like the Sergio Bardotti, he's, he doesn't seem to have any other credits other than the Grand Duel um, for scoring for being a composer. Um, the, on Wikipedia, it says he's um, primarily a lyricist. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but then I read somewhere else that I guess it was uh, this Sergio Bardotti guy working with uh, Luis Bakaloff, um, that they worked together in a few different instances. So I guess um, we can deduce that they worked together to compose a score for the Grand Duel. But it kind of sounds like some people are saying like Bardotti, like this, he didn't really do much and it's really like a Bakaloff score. But for some reason, this other guy got the credit. So I don't know. It's, it's, there's a little bit of weirdness around the, the composer, but um it sounds like maybe it was actually Bakalov primarily. Um, and then, for example, we were talking about the Kill Bill, uh, the music that's reused in Kill Bill that's from the Grand Duel. And I believe um, on that soundtrack, it's, you know, like you said, it's called the Grand Duel, but I believe it says it's composed and performed by Luis Bakalov. So, again, it's really a Bakalov piece. I don't know. It's kind of weird and interesting. So, um, so yeah, the Bakalov, that's who I had. Is the composer. Yeah. So. It seems like he probably was a composer. Maybe this Bardotti guy was involved and helped a bit and for whatever reason got the credit. I don't know. It's, I mean, not super yeah. important, just kind of interesting and a little odd. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, and the director was one of Sergio Leone's assistant directors. Yeah. In the past. So, uh, which is definitely had that Leone influence in some of his shots and the way, the way he chose to do things. Um, let's see. I'm just gonna kind of bounce around. This film, The Grand Duel, goes by a couple other titles. Apparently, it's also known as The Big Showdown, and it's also known as yes. Storm Rider. Apparently, oh, oh, which is kind of a cool name, but I don't really get yeah. the relevance or connection to the movie at all. But okay. <laughs> yeah, The Big Showdown is the I watched it on Tubi, and it was labeled as a Grand Duel, but the credits in the movie said The Big Showdown. Same, yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, okay. 
Um, so... And a little confusing because there's another Van Cleef movie that I think we're going to cover later in the season called The Big Gun Down. And so it's just, again, oh, yeah. it's kind of a similar title, just kind of confusing. I mean, you could say that about horror. I can't think of immediate examples, but there's That's so true. many That's names true. that are so similar. So, yeah. so yeah, the intro to this movie really felt like a stunt spectacular at like Disney or Universal. Mm. Um just in terms of people falling off of roofs and into hay and things like that. Uh, I mean, things I, being I, set I, on fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. I don't feel the need to necessarily go beat by beat on this one. It's, it's a pretty standard uh, in most ways. I mean, the reason to watch this movie, in my opinion, are for Lee Van Cleef. If you're a fan of his, you know, he, he puts in a good performance. Absolutely. I mean, he, I don't think he's even, I think he's walking from one set to another wearing the same outfit when he's doing these spaghetti Westerns at this point. <laughs> yeah. Because, he, yeah. He always I mean, wears black. Um, yeah. In the commentary, they made a comment. They're like, oh, you know, everyone knows Johnny Cash is the man in black and da da da. At least, you know, here in the US. Sure. Uh, but it, they were like, oh, in Italy, it was like Lee Van Cleef was the man in black. You know, even ever since yes. like a few dollars more and the good, the bad, the ugly, yeah. he always like was dressed all in black. And it's just something that kind of came to personify his character and the character that he played in these westerns. It's like Lee Van Cleef is the man in black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and he has the same pipe, even. Yeah, I guess you he know? really did smoke pipe, too. It's something he took yeah. up when he was in the Navy. And so that's why he's just so natural. And it seems so ah. in character for him to be smoking it on screen. It's funny because I was reading about him. I've mentioned it before, how I kind of didn't want to know a lot about him. Yeah. Uh, just in case. But then I did look into, Megan reminded me that we shared the same birthday. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, and then I just looked into when he died. And then I was looking at more info and found out about his, that he was in the Navy for like four years or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, I just found out more info about him and found out he was married like three times and everything else. Oh. But uh, but yeah, regardless. Um, yeah, he just I like that he's constantly playing the same character, basically. <laughs> I mean, he's. You know, sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy, and whatever. But yeah. he looks the same all the time, basically. Right, yeah. And and I'm I'm totally, totally fine with that. It's funny because Clint Eastwood is the guy that has a reputation for that. Mm -hmm. um, when in reality, that's elite. I mean, I guess I haven't continued to dig through Clint's American stuff. Sure. But, uh, but Lee is really the guy that is you know doing the same thing over and over and over same yeah. mustache same hat same yeah. everything and also kind of a man a few words a lot of the time as well mm -hmm. yeah um of course in my head as i was watching this movie which is never a good sign because that means i was just my brain was wandering mm -hmm. but i was basically linking all the lee van cleef movies that we've watched mm -hmm. together and trying to imagine if it was the same character having all these adventures <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was basically basically figuring out chronologically what would have to be the end mm -hmm. um and uh oh crap now i can't remember the name of it it's the movie that i had recommended that we watch day of anger uh, thank you thank you day sure. of anger would be the towards the end um, yeah all I'll say, uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Lee Van Cleef is 
great in this movie to the point yes. of where on YouTube, someone had made a compilation. So I can tell you that Lee Van Cleef, this movie's like an hour and a half. And he, he appears in about 30 minutes of the movie because someone put a compilation of just <laughs> scenes of, of Lee Van Cleef. And it was oh, around wow. 30, 34 minutes. Okay. So pretty funny. But um, that and then I was kind of ho-hum on it. The guy that he has that he's so yeah lee van cleef is a former sheriff mm-hmm. and he um has to take this guy in basically uh or so it seems initially um it's this bounty and they do say bounty hunters in this movie instead of bounty they killers do, they do so somewhere along the way the change is made uh but the guy he's i don't know what do you think of the guy that is the bounty the accused murderer yeah. Um, Vermeer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Um, I mean, he was okay. I wasn't yeah. like blown away with him. I thought he was fine for the, you know, the role he was trying to play or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it was bad, but I also wasn't like blown away by his performance. I mean, you his know, look I guess... kind of reminded me of someone, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I feel that way too. Now that you said something, but we're both going to go into the abyss just trying to yeah, think about I because I, I never came to a conclusion um but it's basically just a lot of scenes of van cleef being more clever than the other guy there's also let's talk about the one scene where van cleef is sleeping the guy tries to get away and he grabs van cleef's gun and he says there's you know no bullets in it or whatever and so he gets to shoot at van cleef and then van cleef has the bullet like in his, his mouth teeth or something yeah yeah and apparently some people were freaking out about that scene um just talking how stupid it was now to be fair it was obvious that van cleef had something in his mouth before that even happened mm-hmm. and i don't think that was a matter of editing um i think it was just a matter of he i mean I'm trying to think of logistics Typically, you wouldn't have just the head of a bullet because it was the lead part of the bullet. It wasn't the shell uh, casing. Uh, regardless, he had something in his mouth before that anyway. So he could have just been messing with the guy because I guess he had like blanks loaded into his gun, something like that. Yeah, I really don't There know. were some bits that were like a little confusing, but yeah. I, I kind of try to just go with it. Me um, too. It, it was set up to be like a gag or i don't know but regardless the point of any of those scenes is really that van cleef is basically just one step ahead of everyone and plans yeah, for everything right so, which right. is fine which is fine um do you like the scene where they zoomed in on the horse's butthole <laughs> no <laughs> i didn't well i you know i didn't like it because well <laughs> please explain i like how you're <laughs> I like how you're stuttering to explain yourself. Go on. I, we've you kind can... of like a little bit touched on this before, and it's not something that's predominantly on my mind, but there was something about this particular scene and like the <laughs> stunt of the horse where I was kind of like, oh, okay. like I was just like, that horse looks like it probably actually got hurt. Or like, you know, yeah. this was filmed at a yeah, time yeah. where like they probably weren't really taking care of the animals. And I remember thinking like, that looks kind of rough. That looks kind of messed up. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then they had this like zoom into the butthole scene, yes. and I was just like, okay. And I, I didn't give it that much thought after that. You know, the movie went on, and we moved on. 
Um, but then today during the commentary watch, uh, the person commenting did talk about how like, oh yeah, this, you know, look at this, this stunt looks like it really was probably harmful to the horse and the horse, you know, the horses were not taken care of at this time and blah, blah. And I was just like, oh man, you know, so it so just kind of made me thing. feel kind of bad in general. Uh, I know nothing because I wasn't there, mm-hmm. but I would, I would argue that we know for a fact that in Django Unchained, um, Django itself and some other movies. Uh, the horses think, were trained and more well taken care of. Yeah, the, yeah, the horses were trained and well taken care of, and they, uh, they really. I'm trying to think of the term. You know, they ate shit. <laughs> they like completely. You know, got knocked over, and it looked like it looked so painful. Right, when in reality, right. We we know that they were just trained well, and they were doing these stunts, and they were fine. Yes, even absolutely. though it looked even though it looked miserable. Mm-hmm. So we don't know based on watching this movie for a fact. You're right. We don't know for sure, but it was the commentator guy kind of saying some things that really solidified it. That I was kind of like, yeah. oh, that's messed up. And he talked about how there was like some horse that got injured in like some other western movie around this time and that's when they finally started to kind of put some like restrictions and like get trainers in and that sort of thing but so you know he talked about how like you know horses they'd be forced to gallop off cliffs and like all this stuff Uh, i was just like oh this sounds so awful so that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth a little bit and then in specifically this scene they're like oh yeah the horse had to do this and that and he like flips over and it looks like he probably really got hurt and they're like oh just so they could have this like um you know this yeah. gag, this joke yeah. with the with the oh, is he hiding in the horse butthole and like is that yeah. really you know so uh, that was kind of icky. Yeah. So I'd have to say no, I didn't really care for that scene. I, well, I didn't ask about the scene. I asked about the horse's butthole. Well, the the but butthole still. scene. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, but anyway, no, that's that's kind of yeah. tangenty. But you realize the AI is going to take everything that we've said, and then now that you said horse's butthole. <laughs> it's going it's going to be able to mimic you. Um anyway, so Bankleaf but then the other thing reason Bank to watch Leaf this is a highlight, yeah. Y- yes, but also um and I wrote down Saxton before I realized it was the last name of everyone in this family. Yeah, well the town so, and the patriarch yes, and his three yes, sons. So yeah, yes. they're all Saxon. So it's the first one that you see where he's uh just you know belittling this old man and then everyone uh freaking claps about it with their uh, shoes on their hands yes i was so confused by that i was like why I are we sh- one of my notes is just like shoe clapping question mark like so i don't odd. understand and here's the thing too like i said i watched the commentary today and mm-hmm. they got to that scene and i was like okay please explain about the shoe clapping yeah. because i don't get it and he didn't talk about it at all. I, I forget what he was talking about, but it's something impossible. like not. Oh, he was talking about like the brother, the Saxon brother who dressed all in white. Yes. Who had like the pock marks on his face and, yep. and seemed to get off on killing the guy and all that. Yes. So he was talking a lot about him, which which was fine, which was interesting. But I was like, really? Like, we're not going to say a word about the shoe clapping. Mm-hmm. Really? I, I know. So, what, what did you make of it? Because I'm at a loss. Okay. Okay. So there's a few things. First of all, let me. Uh, finish my, I guess, initial thought because I. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Hijack. Said... <laughs> no, no, no. I mentioned the shoe clapping and then. <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say, I like this guy as a villain, the pocked face. Um, yeah. He I, was I an interesting as, character. I wrote him down as a dandy because mm-hmm. he wears this scarf that he yes, likes. Yes. He plays he, with it. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. And it, he, there's a scene later where he's shooting like a, a minigun and he has a scarf in his mouth and it feels very like fetishy, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it, he's such an odd character. I really like him as a villain. Yeah. Um, I I mean, ultimately, there's multiple brothers and they conspire and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like he would make a great main villain. Like, I mean, yeah, he, he was, was very he, interesting. Yeah, it was a very interesting villain. We see these movies a lot and it's the same characters all the time. I yeah, thought he, was, he was very unique, unique look. Yeah. And even just yes. like his mannerisms and the way he acted, the, you know, yes. the actor in the character. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, OK, with that being said. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about shoe clapping. Shoe clapping. I, yes, I, I have I have no damn idea. All I could think was, yes, it was loud when they clapped with their shoes. It was loud. I don't know why. I thought about like this is nothing. This is just where my head went. I thought about Monty Python, the Holy Grail, with the coconuts. Oh yeah, they were like simulating <laughs> horses. Yeah, and I was just like. I don't know what the hell is happening. It didn't make any sense. No, it was just like everyone just like did it or knew to do it. And yeah, the commentator didn't even have anything to say about it. I was like, what is going on? I wish the movie and I I don't know, maybe it does. I have to keep going through my notes to relive this. But (laughs) I like the weird stuff. You know, I like when. Yeah, no, it was funny. It was interesting. I'm just like now after the fact, I'm just like confused. And I'm like, what was that all about? Like, I would like to know. I don't understand. I I feel like up to this scene in the movie, though, the movie has been kind of like expected. Uh, Like a lot of the scenes are very expected. And then this suddenly happened. And it's like, did a different person write and shoot the scene? (laughs) Because all of a sudden this became very interesting. If this happened in the first half hour, it would have been, you know. And I would have been much more engaged. More shoe clapping. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And guy with the scarf. Yeah, yeah. Just weird things. I just, you know, I don't want to see the same thing over and over in movies. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, so I did like, so they kept doing this black and white flashback to when, um, I'm glad you wrote his name down, Ebenezer. (laughs) <laughs> the patriarch because yeah i told i just wrote down yeah like their dad they kept calling I, him the patriarch so yeah they, they did but i did not catch that his name was ebenezer that's amazing yeah i, th- I think i caught it when i was reviewing wikipedia when i wrote my synopsis okay. so don't give me too much credit <laughs> but uh you get all the credit but an- <laughs> answer this question for me because i have no answer to this one um did he have like black or brown face in the flashback scenes which were black and white all of his sons the were white. Patriarch? I don't. Yes. He had no because he had a big bushy beard. So yeah, I don't think big, so. He had a big white. So by the way, it's like high, high higher contrast black and white. Yeah, I thought it looked kind of cool, like kind of the whole great. the western, but with like the Norv type of vibe. Like yeah, it was. Awesome. I liked it. Yeah, that was another really unique. It's like this movie had some really unique things in it. Yeah, and it looked were, good. It was shot it well. Looked great. It there looked was great. gorgeous scenery, like just so much, like those orange and blue rocks, like on the mountainside, mm-hmm. or when they went to that Silver Bell town, and like the opening yep. shot of that was like that beautiful lake, like just so many gorgeous scenes. Yeah, it, and and so with the black and white scene, they keep showing it again from different mm-hmm. perspectives as you learn more of what happened to who actually shot up Ebenezer. Um, that's what they should have named the movie, by the way. But, <laughs> who shot Ebenezer? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah no he had this big white bushy beard i'm not saying yes or no 
but they definitely painted his face, and I don't know why. The Maybe it was thing... just heavy makeup, because one of the brothers, yes. uh, he played a dual role, and he also played the father. Uh-huh. The, like the oh, oldest son oh. or whatever. So maybe they're just trying sense. to like kind of mask his face a bit or, you know, make I, him look really I, different. I was going to say, I wonder if it was their attempt to do like old man makeup. And then because oh, of the black, yeah. black and white, black and white, it just, it just didn't work weird. well. It could be. Yeah. Um, but with what you just said, that makes that much more sense if it was one actor playing dual roles. Yeah. Sort and of... I did not pick up on that either. That was revealed to me during my commentary watch. And I was okay. like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's it's sort of like how if you ever watch, um, to see the real colors that they use in any of the Universal horror movies like Frankenstein or yeah. the Mummy, they'll use like greens and pinks and things like that yeah. for, because it's going to be black and white. I wonder if they more or less screwed up here and it just right. didn't translate. Could so be. yeah, but um, especially with the newer uh, transfer, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, because from a plot standpoint, it would make no sense. So I, th- I think it was just a mistake, more or less. Um, okay, so I basically, the rest of my notes are all tying into the end of the movie and the reveal of the twist and then the ending. Do you have, feel free to talk about anything. Um, yeah, we um, we've kind of touched on some stuff that I wanted you know that i have in my notes already um the music was also really good i know we talked about it a little bit because we were like oh we recognize this from kill bill mm-hmm. but setting that aside like being familiar with it like it's a really great score it's a really great piece of music there's that one that like main theme and then there's also there's some lighter parts in the film or when they're showing kind of like just the townspeople kind of having a good time and some lighter some lighter scenes there's like a jaunty piano and fiddle kind of jam that plays throughout so i just i really like the music and how it you know the different contrast between the different scenes how it could kind of have that more like sullen melancholy sound and then there was like that happier jaunty bit of score for some scenes so i thought the music was good i, I like that you refer to it as a jaunty fiddle jam <laughs> fiddle jam yeah uh, I- i'm imagining you calling into a dj and just saying hey could you play that jaunty fiddle jam <laughs> please <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, fr- it's friday night i want to go wild <laughs> So. Has some like saucy piano bits as well. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So cool. the music was good. Uh, the scenery, like I mentioned, was gorgeous. Talking about the actual like location they were in, and they I guess they filmed. You know, a lot of these spaghetti westerns. Um, if it wasn't like the set, like at the Elios uh, studio or whatever, it was often um, sh- a lot of a lot of these were shot in Spain because of like kind of the desert and the terrain. Sure. But I guess this movie was actually filmed um, quite a bit um, in Tuscany, Italy. So that's why oh. it had a little bit of a different look than um, some of the other Westerns that we've seen. Yeah. And it had like those orange and blue mountains and uh, it had some more like kind of rolling green hills in the background that we haven't seen in a lot of other films because, again, this was like in Tuscany. So part of it was just like the gorgeous location and natural scenery but i think a good part of it was also um with uh giancarlo santi being you know someone who worked predominantly with sergio leone and was like second director on like the good the bad and the ugly and that sort of thing you know i think he was just obviously able to apply a lot of what he learned um and yeah it was just like it was shot really well there were like some really great scenes the way like things were framed so all that i guess it would be like technical stuff it just it looked really good and i appreciated that about the film it was it was Nice just to watch it and enjoy the look of it and the aesthetic. And um, and Van Cleef, obviously, as you mentioned, he's like a super high point. His acting, but also just his look, just to watch him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there's a lot of scenes where he really doesn't say much, you know, and he just kind of walks around looking menacing or maybe giving a little quick little growl about something. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just fascinating to just watch him, like to watch him move. and Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
So a lot of lot of visual stuff to feast on in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Between Van Cleef and the scenery and and then audio too. Feast your ears on the audio. So all that stuff was really strong points for me. But again, I think most of that we've touched on already for there, the most part. There was a set piece that I just thought about where Vermeer was getting some guys were trying to hang him. And it, it, of oh. course they but they're doing it at a waterfall. I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the later yeah. time, later time when they were trying to hang him. I'm talking about an earlier time when they're trying to hang him. Yeah, and it was like in a waterfall. It was uh, beautiful though. Yeah. But yeah, but it was like so I mean it was a smart choice, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like okay, you're hanging this dude in a waterfall. Like <laughs> where like it was such an odd you know, I mean, not a set, yeah. but but like, well, they what, were like torturing him find. too. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like a bit of water torture. Or like, sure. is he gonna drown? Like, they're holding him under the waterfall, you know. But also, like, that's the type of place that you would seek out to go hang out at. Like, it seemed really right. nice, despite yeah, the torture. It was beautiful. To, you know, yeah, it was a very beautiful place. Yeah, and there is some little like kind of comedic bits kind of thrown in too sometimes. Um, mm-hmm with some of the action scenes like they'd show the guy kind of just like tumbling over a building but it was kind of like like they're fighting but it was kind of like a little bit funny in a way too and i think that was intentional to have some yeah comedic effect yeah that's kind of what i meant by like the stunt spectacular yeah where, okay. where it's it's like everyone yeah it's like you said they're tumbling yeah and there was a scene literally where someone like landed on a um like a haystack or yeah, something yeah but it was like a teeter-totter effect you know, right, someone right, else right, jumped yeah. down and then the one guy goes flying very mm-hmm. you know over the top uh but i totally it's not like that all throughout but the movie also right. doesn't the movie also doesn't get like incredibly dark it's not like uh the great silence you know right no no no, no. Of, um so but uh oh also lee van cleef has long fingernails in this movie there's <laughs> there's some shot where his, it was really close up in his hands, and I just yeah. had to write that down. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, so do we want to get to the twist? Yeah, probably. So, I mean, the whole main thing about this movie is that there's this guy accused of murder, and I guess he's escaped from prison or whatever. He, or he's on the run, and there's this bounty on his head um, that's posted by the three brothers because they you know, they think he killed their father and all that. But yeah, Lee Van Cleef's character is just, um, he kind of keeps just defending this guy and helping him out, and just we don't really know why he's doing this but other than the fact that he seems to think that this guy is innocent you know Um, and then like as the film progresses he kind of reveals that oh yeah you know i I know who actually killed ebenezer or whatever and it's you know it's it's not this guy so that's why i'm you know helping him out but then like the brothers like are like well well i should say one particular brother was like well who did it who killed my father and you know that whole thing and that's that's the whole mystery it's like we we don't know right but then we start to get some clues because they show us those black and white flashbacks that you mentioned so toward the end of the film or i guess toward when they were starting to kind of reveal like did you know what was going on like did you have what were your thoughts oh i'm glad you're asking because i thought for sure that it was the the one uh dandy brother or or the other one okay uh, yeah i, I kind of yeah. thought it was like gonna be not the dandy but the oldest brother i yeah, was like oh it's probably totally him i think it's that one that because they even set it up in that scene where he seemed a little squirrely about mm-hmm. um frankly for revealing who the killer was yeah you know yeah. and it's like oh he's obviously so guilty uh, yeah, so and then I, you see that he's there, like in the flashback. And yeah, like, yeah, oh, he's there, like peeking yeah. out from wherever. Uh, they, yeah, they show him with like a uh, gun from like uh, under a tarp in like a 
I don't know, in something. Yeah, yeah he's kind yeah, of hiding. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, they're, you're basically showing that it was him before the, you're revealing. So they really yeah. lead you down that. But it's cool that every time you see the flashback, it kind of is set up in a way that it makes you think it's a different person. Um, right. Yeah. Wh whether it's just a matter of saying showing the same scene, but from a different point of view, or just showing someone else's interpretation of the scene. You right. Know? Right. Or like it, you get a little bit, you get a little bit more every time they they show yeah. a flashback or whatever. It's, yeah, it's a really cool device, um, and just the way it's actually shot makes it that much better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not a mind blowing concept. It's the execution that makes it really good. Right. Well, the thing about that, too, that I try to keep in mind, and I mean, this was like, what, 1973? So, yeah. or excuse me, 1972. So it was, you know, it wasn't the 50s. It was still like a little later in, in progression of time or whatever. Mm -hmm. But again, like that was still what, like 50 years ago compared to mm -hmm. where we are now. And it's like, at this stage, we're like, oh, yeah, black and white to show a flashback, like, Oh, we've seen that so many times, ho hum. But again, I'm trying to keep in mind that, like, well, in the early '70s, maybe it wasn't really something that had been done very often, sure. or definitely not overused at that point. So, you know, it probably was kind of like fresh and innovative at the time in terms of like storytelling and film narrative and that sort of thing. And regardless, it was you know really, really well lit to be a high contrast yes, it was done scene. Really well. Very stylistic. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, very, I really very like cool. That. So. But yeah. then when we get to, you know, closer to the actual end and we yep. get more of these flashbacks and uh, it's it's eventually revealed, you, you see like the silhouette of the person who mm -hmm. actually like shot and ki killed the patriarch. And that when when they do show that scene and that silhouette at that point, it becomes very obvious. Am I oh, right? Yeah. About yeah, yeah, that yeah, it's, yeah. It's Lee Van Cleef. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that he didn't. He says uh, your patriarch was a murderer. And then he said he was mm -hmm. executed, not murdered. And, and yeah, and at this there point, was like some silver involved too. I don't think we've mentioned that yet, but there was something yeah, like the silver like yeah. that was hidden in the mountain. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I know. Something. There's there's two plot <laughs> two plot points. There's the silver, and then there's something else I'll mention at the very end okay. because it doesn't even come up till the very end, in my opinion. Um, yeah, the silver thing, whatever. Yeah, because it also was not a motive necessarily for Van Cleef. Per se, right. I don't freaking know. It has something to do though with like why he was justified in killing the patriarch, I guess, because there was some okay. shadiness that he was involved with with the silver. That's the part that kind of went over my head a little bit. Me, but I was me too. Like, Whatever. It's so weird that we watched more than a few spaghetti westerns <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. And, and at first, I'm like, okay, I'll get the hang of it. It's just the movie. I'm starting off new genre, but it's like, no, all of these have like these uh, some unnecessary complications that are not explained well it's just maybe it's a <laughs> you know and i'm sure i've said this in other episodes because it's not like i think different week to week but i wonder if it is a loss in translation thing because i there was a movie where you watched it with one dub remember i had like a dub and yeah. sub and i'm like yeah. one one of these makes more sense than the other so i wonder if some That's of it right. is, is lost in translation but you know yeah. what it doesn't matter because you still get the general idea and yeah, there is, there no, for sure. There's no quiz afterward. It's basically right. just, oh, I like that one character and I like that other character. And it's all about the feel, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so um sounds like I'm wrapping up, but let's actually wrap up the film and then we can kind of okay. loop back. So and then we get to the grand duel, I guess. <laughs> you know, of the title. 
Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's Lee Van Cleef facing off against the three brothers at the very end in this kind of cattle stall area, really big gated cattle area. No cattle in it, but it's like no, a big yeah, pen yeah. where they all kind of meet. I mean, it starts off basically where the brothers are saying, like, more or less saying there's no way in hell he can win. There's a bunch of us, but they're like, but he he's fast, et cetera, et cetera. And it's sort of, you know, they start off as at a standstill. Van Cleef mm -hmm. is just hanging by himself. But uh, Vermeer is around. Around. He's, <laughs> he's kind of got his back. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong of what happens, but Vermeer shoots Van Cleef's hat off, which is basically enough to kind of like scare Van Cleef into action. Well, it like activates Van Cleef. Mm, it's, okay. it, you know, I mean, and then, <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. It's yeah, yeah. And basically, you know, it, it's a harmless first shot in a way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because they're waiting to see who's going to draw first. But then yeah. Van Cleef just goes freaking wild uh, mm -hmm. and blasts the hell out of the brothers who are, tr you know, trying to get shots off. But Van Cleef just mows him down like a machine. It's right, just like right. it's like muscle memory, you know? Yeah. But in that same sense, too, I'm trying to think because Van Cleef. They make it a point throughout the movie where there's a scene in a bar where Van Cleef is in there and two guys get shot and then he walks out and it's you're made to think like, oh, Van Cleef just murdered these guys in cold blood. But someone from within the bar basically is saying like he was defending himself. Mm -hmm. So they make because, you know, Van Cleef was a former sheriff. I yeah. think it is a matter of like Van Cleef is an honorable guy. Mm -hmm. And so he's not going to shoot someone in cold blood. Right. And so, so yeah. I think Vermeer does that to push him to be like, right. you need to defend yourself. <laughs> Van Cleef activated. Yes, it, it really was. You're it's, right, it, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, it's just, yeah, it triggered him. And then he mm -hmm. like, he literally, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then he just mows down the guys because he just, no words or anything. He just goes into like, you know, it's like RoboCop with his yeah, gun yeah. freaking Blast him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, and then he's he they're dead and he's got them. And uh then there's And then Vermeer Yes has his lady that he met earlier yes. in the stagecoach. That's yeah, <laughs> they, okay. They that, hit it off. Yeah, that's what I that's the other plot like a point. Happy ending, I guess. That's that's the other plot point outside of the silver where I'm just like, <laughs> where that like I don't I remember this lady earlier. Very, very sub, sub, sub. Oh plot. my god! <laughs> it it felt like a Wayne's World ending, where they're like, you know, super happy ending. <laughs> yes, yeah, because she came out of nowhere. I'm like, I barely remember her inter. I don't remember her interacting with him, and I barely remember her even like. She was kind together. of a little bit throughout the film. Like, oh my god! Like, oh yeah, like he's he doesn't seem like a murderer. Like yeah. you know. Oh, uh, so silly. But regardless, <laughs> you know, the real point for me was that um, Van Cleef has, you know, more or less earned his badge back as the sheriff. And mm -hmm. uh, I didn't talk about why he lost it to begin with, um, because I can't remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, yeah, it, I also. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Watch, watch the movie. Have fun. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, just one other thing I wanted to mention with like the whole 
you know, you're kind of led to believe like maybe it's one of the brothers, but then it's mm -hmm. revealed that it's like Van Cleef. But there's also like a little bit of it's left kind of ambiguous, I think, to an extent. But it's like there was something fishy with that older brother. And I don't think it's ever actually really spelled out. But mm -hmm. you're kind of like guided to maybe think like, oh, did he pay Van Cleef to take out the patriarch, even though that mm -hmm. was his dad. But then like he's the one as the older eldest brother who kind of assumed all the power. And like yeah. he became like kind of the you know like the ruler of the town for lack mm -hmm. of a better phrase or whatever um so it's like oh it did you know he put van cleef up to it and there was like that kind of aspect to it as well that i don't think is ever really yeah answered in a black and white fashion uh mm. no pun yeah. intended i was just gonna say flashbacks. nice <laughs> phrasing but yeah to be fair when he said like that i did it you know he was executed not murdered i really thought he was going to reveal something like what you just said yeah, I thought, I thought there's because the brothers are so like we knew. I mean, there's a scene, too, that we completely didn't talk about where. Well, I mentioned the scene where the one brother had the scarf in his mouth and he was mowing down mm -hmm. people. But they basically you see them just mow down innocent people. Um, mm -hmm. It's mainly that guy. That guy's like the mad dog. Of the yeah, and he like he's getting off on it. Yeah, yeah. And and I like the contrast of he's like the most put together. I mean, the eldest brother is, too, but um He's no, but put... more so with like the dress. Yes. And yeah, yeah. He's the like... gloves and the scarf yes, and the whole yes. thing and the silver gun that like matches yes. his suit. Yeah. It's, it's so good. Yeah. And he's yeah. totally put together. And yet he's like a total psychopath and just like, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, gets off on just killing. Um, yeah. Like and... he shoots that old guy and then like he's yep. got like a bloody belly that he's clutching. And then he comes over and like the guy doesn't move. He like allows this like guy that this old guy that he shot to like put his bloody hand on his white suit. Yeah. And when, when that moment happens, like you see like his face and it's almost like he's getting like sexual pleasure out of it. Yeah. Like he killed this man and now like his blood's on him and he's just like, yes, you know, which was... like orgasmic. Yeah. Which is another thing where I thought he was going to like lose his mind because you know, it's the first time you see mm -hmm. the guy and you figure he's all prim and proper. Mm -hmm. You don't know you don't know where it's gonna go. It was a good character. Yeah. Really good yeah, character. Yeah, for sure. Very different for this type of movie. Definitely. So. Yeah, there there's all the just kind of interesting things about it, just whether to look at or interesting characters. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It was just it's very unique film in many ways. It it was. And I think in talking about it, just revisiting it. Which, Sussing it out. Yeah. yeah. In a way, it's almost like watching it again. Um, you know, I think I, I would probably go from it was OK to it was good. You know, if I. Yeah. yeah that's an unofficial ranking, you know. Yeah. Or even but now I, having more of a clue of what was actually happening. Yeah. In yeah. Terms yeah. Of plot and narrative. Now we go back and we able to kind of probably notice more intricate things about the characters sure. or the way the story is being set up. Like maybe it'll just kind of make a little more sense having a little more background to it than when you yeah. kind of just go in blind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, like I'll pay attention to the dialogue of the brothers more now. It's just a matter yeah. of you know who everyone is. I mean, yeah, that was definitely the confusing part for me in the beginning because you're mm -hmm. like, okay, there's like these brothers and there's this fugitive, and it's just kind of like, what is going on? Like it took it took me a little time to get my bearings there, like longer yeah. than usual for some reason. And it's a good amount into the film until they introduce the brothers. That's so, true. Yeah, and and then there's sort of a tonal shift at that point yeah. and yeah because there's, there's like just the bounty hunters in the beginning yeah. and then like it, yeah again i just wasn't sure who was it, who and who who was relevant and that yes sort of thing. yes i think that's key you're always yeah. trying to figure out who's relevant yeah Be like because, what part they're gonna play yep you know who's the big bad and who are just minions you know yeah but so yeah 
how many tiny turtles would you give this? Probably like maybe seven tiny turtles. It's funny because I was just going to say to you, uh, do we do out of five or out of 10? And I guess you answered my question. Uh, Ten I would... tiny turtles or if we're going stars, five stars would be okay. yep. the highest rating. Uh, yeah. So you said seven tiny turtles? Yeah, I think maybe seven and a half, something like okay. that. Wow, that's pretty good. I would, I mean. The visuals went a long way for me. I really. Yeah, for, for me, it's still pretty high. For, um, I'd probably give it like six and a half. Okay, which is yeah. for, for me that's high mm -hmm. um i get six or six and a half i guess uh because i feel like on a rewatch a lot of my problems would go away and yeah. and some of the weird stuff that i don't understand i never will and i don't want to <laughs> like the shoe clapping <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i i that's so unique i've never seen that in a movie just leave it don't mm -hmm. you know or even be... the, the dandy guy like Yes. He had the pockmarks all over his face. Like, what was yes. that about? Like, was there I a reason for that? I don't know, but I love that it wasn't explained. I love that the character yeah. was just who he was. It felt mm -hmm. like a fleshed out character, you know? Yeah. I like, I, can we get his backstory? Can we get oh like, a prequel with Seriously. the Dandy brother? <laughs> Seriously. I need to find out. I, that's an actor I need to look up and see what else he's done. I think he's a German actor. He, he looked German. Um, yeah, and his one brother looked like he could have been a brother. And then the other one was just like, eh, totally random, that. different. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the point of where it's like, you know, they definitely had explained that they're brothers, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it was cool. It was an interesting flick. I, yeah. I think it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, yeah, the grand duel. Well, on that note, should I reach into our mailbag? Or do you have any other burning, lingering thoughts you want to no. throw out? Um, okay. So, yes. Do we have anything in our mailbag? We have one email wow. that came in just before recording time. Wow. Uh, and it's from Tim Hamilton. So, thank you, Tim, for writing in. Never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> sure you have. He hosts the SETI BIMCO podcast. Oh. Yeah. He, he co-hosts it with. He co-hosts it with yeah, John, but, and don't they have a third host now as well? Uh, yeah, kind of rotates in. George has been a temporary host, but um, I, but yeah, I count George as a host as well. So Tim writes in, yes. and uh, subject line is just a note, okay. and he says, enjoying the show and now the Cablasto drawings as seen on the electronic messaging board known as Discord. Wow. On the Discord, it only costs five bucks to get a blue <laughs> check mark. Join us. Which reminds me of a joke. Oh, good. Why couldn't the cowboy be buried in the nudist colony graveyard? Uh, let me think. Because he died with his boots on. Wait a minute. Didn't he, didn't he use that same joke already? No, it was a different joke about dying with your boots on, but this uh, is different than the previous joke. Oh my god! So he couldn't. The cowboy could not be buried in the nudist colony <laughs> because he died <laughs> with his boots on. It's so. a good thing I have headphones on, or my brain would be oozing out of my ears right now. Uh, so he makes this comment about on the Discord, it only costs five bucks to get the blue check mark. So I think he's yes. referring to you know on Twitter, you can be verified with the blue check mark. But I just want to iterate so no one gets confused out there. It's <laughs> completely free to join Discord. There's there's no cost. Um, so in our show notes, there is a link to the Island of Misfit podcast, which is the Discord that we Spaghetti and Freddy share with uh, Tim Hamilton from 
Seti Bimco. And some of our other friends are also on there. Uh, you, can, you know, you might find Marcy and Dirk from the movie Mixtape in there chatting and various other friends. But if anyone is interested in joining the Discord, it's it's free. So I just didn't want anyone to be confused because it was his blue checkmark comment. Tim, That's all. Tim just played you like that fiddle you were talking about earlier. <laughs> the but, jaunty fiddle? Yes, yes. He, you, he is cackling right now because... Hook, line, and sinker you want for his his Discord joke. To, pr- to promote the Discord? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I'm glad you did. Undo undo the damage he has done. So, <laughs> thanks, Tim, I guess. Thanks, Tim. For writing in. We appreciate you. Yeah, I guess I appreciate Tim. Yeah. <laughs> he sends us lots of little love notes. It's nice. That's true. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to send us a love letter... <laughs> then uh, you can write into spafreddypod at gmail.com. That's S-P-A-F-R-E-D-D-Y-P-O-D at gmail.com. You can tell Nicely that's a, you, you can tell it's the first time I've done that. <laughs> uh, I first hear, time you got it right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, yeah, that's more likely. <laughs> teasing, so. teasing. Uh, so, yeah, what is up next week as we move back to Freddy? Next week, we've got something special. I was going to say, <laughs> Robert England will be on the episode. <laughs> if, only, if only. Thank God. Um, we will be watching The Nightmare Begins Again from 1993, directed by Toby Hooper. So if you're not aware, um, at the height of Freddy fame and notoriety, uh, they started a little TV series called Freddy's Nightmares, in which Robert England, uh, playing Freddy in character, um, he did kind of um, like bookend bumpers to um, these little horror episodes, I guess, for lack of a better expression. Well, and he would kind of introduce them, kind of if you've ever seen Tales from the Crypt um, or what's, what's another example of something in this vein? Maybe Twilight Zone. Yeah, but, or, yeah, or even Joe Bob, maybe like someone yeah, kind of yeah. posting and talking about whatever film you're watching, like, yeah. you know, bookends at the beginning, at the end, maybe popping it in the middle to kind I think, of I think offer some commentary. Tales from the Crypt is probably the best example, but like you said, I think it might pop up um, more yeah. than just beginning and end. Right, right. So, same type of deal Freddy's Nightmares, and there's, um, I think there's like 40 episodes or something, um, but we're going to be next week covering the pilot which was directed by Toby Hooper. It's called The Nightmare Begins Again, and it essentially um, kind of details the story of uh, Freddy the man, you know, before he was burnt and killed by vigilante justice. And that's basically what the story is, you know, of the parents and, like, Mm -hmm. the the origin of Freddy, basically. So we'll be diving into that next week. Spoiler warning, if you didn't know that, Freddy gets killed. (laughs) Oh, and it's streaming on Tubi. Should mention oh, it that is. as well. Yes. Yeah. So look up Freddy's Nightmares, and you should be able to find that on Tubi, in the U.S. at least. Um, I, and you can yeah. you can watch it there. So I I don't believe there's ever been a official pressing. Uh, there's, there's like a, bootlegs you can get. Yeah. 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 But I would just say that you should probably check it out before you spend money on it. Right. <laughs> so. Sure. So we'll see. We'll see what that's all about yeah. next week. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that just about does it for this week's episode. I think so. So until next week, ciao for now. Ciao for now.
Getting Freddy podcast is hosted by Kevin Cablasto and Yoli Zena. Our theme music is composed and performed by Corey McGregor. This episode was edited by Yoli. You can send us feedback at spafreddypod at gmail.com. Ciao for now.